This episode of Inspiration Point is brought to you by the Quests and Chaos Podcast Network and the generous patrons over on patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we'd like to give a big shout out to Garlic Bread, Eric, and Spike. And at our Muse $20 level, we'd like to thank Prostaskis, Leroy, Kate, Jeremy, Jenna, Jacob, Falangor, Cheryl, A Bad Idea, Red Dead Coquette, and Robert Hans. Thank you for helping us bring a little inspiration out into the world. And now, on with the show. Well, fancy meeting you here this fine evening. You know, it's such a random thing to run into you here. Hello, Adam. Yeah, I almost bumped into you there. Hello. <laughs> I'm, how was your day? Uh, it was busy. We've been doing a lot of moving things around in the house because, um, you know, I, the, the house that I live in, we're, we're moving things around so that I can have room for uh, my computer desk from my new computer. Yeah, is that on the way? Are all the parts on the way? All of the parts are sitting piled where uh, on top of the case. I just need time to sit down and put it all together. And for preference, a place to put it together that isn't infested with cat fur. Uh, yeah, that is a thing. I got one of those like, uh, like plug-in uh, air blowers mm. for like equipment because I also am now blessed with cats. Yes, you are. Not to mention I have you know dust and uh, the most filthy things of all children. <laughs> um, so they they really do a number. Um, you know, today we were like focusing on cleaning and being orderly and. Everything and the next thing I knew, my youngest had just dumped flour all over the place. Oh my gosh! You know, and so we learned about vacuum attachments today, and then how fun that can be. <laughs> so they are pretty useful. I actually was using vacuum attachments today because, like, things moved out of the corner that I don't think have been like they haven't moved in the five-ish years that I've been here, and I'm pretty sure they hadn't moved for at least five to six years before that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I was using vacuum attachments to get like the the spider webs and the dust in the corners and just give it a good clean. The corner feels so much lighter and brighter now, and I love it. Yeah, that's and that that can make a big difference. Just getting your room in order and getting a sense of cleanliness and just it can really reduce some stress, even though it can be stressful to like do it. Right. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. So like part of my brain is over here. Like I have other things that I need to do and other things that I need to focus on. But also this is a thing that needs to happen and I need to have her here while I'm doing it. And that window is rapidly closing. Right. Yeah. So it's fun to figure out. Well, not really fun. I guess it's interesting to figure out. How to work around our psychological quirks to get the things done that we need to get done. Uh, it's very true. You know, just like our, our just like DM prep, you know, like, how do I get motivated to do this? And even for things like DM prep, it's like clean my desk might be like number one, mm-hmm. right? You, you want to get the right drink or drinks, <laughs> you know, together uh, to have that motivation. Maybe you need it quiet. Maybe you need music. I don't know. You need all. But you have to, like, have your ritual that you do uh, in order to, like, get centered and then begin 
Yeah, one of one of my big ones, especially because I'm currently running Fandelver and Below over on QNC, which has been just the most incredible experience so far. Um, but I don't have the physical book yet uh, because I started reading it when it was still only on D&D Beyond in early digital access. So I've done most of my prep through that so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a small ritual, but it but it makes it it works really well for me. I open D&D Beyond in its own window, so I don't have any other tabs distracting me while I'm reading through the section that we're going to be getting into that evening. And then if I have other tabs open, it's stat blocks or it's, you know, uh, encounter tables, it's name generators, it's the things that I need specifically for that. But I start with the single tab of Fandelver and Below, the book. Mm-hmm. Which I assume you do a lot of reading of beforehand. Oh, yeah. I've I've read through the full thing uh, once already, and now I'm going through and being like, okay, how does, you know, how does the Kragmaw hideout connect to the Kragmaw castle? I think it's a terrible mistake to have named them basically the same thing, because when you're moving fast, uh, your eye catches and you're like, oh, I'm going to say this thing. And it's wrong. Well, I've been trying to prepare my Westgate campaign and just by going through like the wikis, mm. because the last time they released an official book that had any official information about this region, it was in fourth edition. Sure. And so, you know, some of it's really interesting, but some of it like has theoretically changed, you know, over the years. So either I could say this is basically a fourth edition game in fifth edition, or I have to like do some lifting. And and so the wiki articles really help, but they also do things where like some things are named the same or differently. Mm-hmm. Some of the links take you to different topics or there are more names for the same thing, which in a way like makes it realistic because that's kind of how it is <laughs> in real life. Yeah. Y- you know, it's like, you know, Istanbul was Constantinople. Right? <laughs> Dang it. Now you have that song in my head. Right? <laughs> Yeah, we played it for uh, our kids the other day, and they were like, "Not a." They were like, "What? <laughs> I don't appreciate this." That's that that that's fair. Uh, it's a very interesting song. It's a very interesting song, but I was like, "This was hilarious in the nineties." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And then they just sort of sigh, roll their eyes, flip their hair. God, Dad, you're so old. God, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or they just they don't react at all. They just go right back to their phone or whatever. Yeah. Um, I've been actually being that dad uh, the last couple of days. I've been taking away things and I've been trying to spend more like meat space time with my kids. Ew, um, meat space. I know. Well, it turns out just telling them to stop doing your things, not enough. You have to like help fill in that time with like quality time. You know, I, I just, I didn't take to it as naturally as I, as I thought I would when I was younger. I was like, oh, when I'm a dad, I'm going to be this way. And, uh, you know, I just wasn't really there. But now that they're getting older, I'm starting to find them more interesting. <laughs> they're starting and, to actually become people. Yeah, they're starting to turn into people. and But, you know, they also need more of me. And so I've been trying to do better. In, in that way, and that is that's alleviated some of the pain of saying, "Okay, we're taking away the VR to a degree," because 
Like my son was on VR, like just for hours every day and it just wasn't good for him. And, uh, you know, just telling him to stop. He's like, well, what else do I do? It's like, go out and play in the mega hot Arizona sun. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. No, fair enough. Uh, do your homework, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's not that interesting. So yeah, I'm like, okay, I have to start figuring out things that I'm going to do with him and stuff that the wife's going to do with him. And, um, you know, we're just trying to, trying to be better, yeah. trying to keep the house cleaner, trying to get our money in order, you know, doing a lot of things to just improve that organization in all aspects of our lives. So that that way, um, when I sit down to do my prep, I can be a little more <laughs> clear headed and not have, you know, a bunch of stuff and a bunch of junk in the back of my head kind of distracting me. I mean, good on you. I, I usually associate that sort of thing with going into New Year's resolutions, the things that you do for a month at the outside and then just sort of fall back into old habits. So uh, good for you for actually like starting to push in that direction and do the things that you want to do. You know, the thing that I will give Jordan Peterson uh, credit for is like, it, it really does change your mindset to have a clean room and some control over finances, straighten right. your back, roll your shoulders. Uh, yeah. Straighten your back, roll your shoulders back. And just, it helps a lot. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's been good advice for forever. Right. You know, like, of course we should do that. You know, our mom said, clean your, your room, make your bed. And we were like, okay, mom, man, what a drag. Can't wait to not do this when I'm an adult. <laughs> and then you're like, man, you know what I would really like? <laughs> a clean room and a made bed. That would be really fantastic. I, I, I have to make my bed every morning because if I don't, the cats go walking across my sheets with, with their litter-filled paws. And then I Ugh. get into bed and that's all up against my skin. And then I get really irritated. Right. And it's smelly and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So cats definitely are, <laughs> force you a little bit to to do things. Um, Sheer self-preservation. Yeah. But we love them, you know. We're not going to get rid of them. Just like children. It's like <laughs> can't live with them and you can't kill them. It's you true. <laughs> uh, yes, that, that that is the variant that I frequently use as well. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, every day is, you know, a, a new adventure in this world. And we're always trying to roll with the punches and deal with the random events, the random encounters that come up in our lives and learn. To well, done. well done. Well <laughs> done. <laughs> uh, so as you all may be able to gather tonight, we are talking about random encounters going deeper into uh, chapter three of the DMG, which I am delighted to learn more about. Uh, Adam is definitely helping me like dive into more of the DM prep side of things for actually creating things. Because uh, fun fact, I have never created my own adventure that I GM. I don't consider myself to be very good at adventure writing or homebrewing. So this is a really good like series of uh, series of episodes that we're doing to help me figure out how to do more stuff of like that on my own. Well, I think it can be really intimidating when you've been in games with people that have been doing this like forever, you know? And so you're like, oh, well, that's what I have to be doing. It's like, no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, this, the, this game is made for like 12 and up. 
Which is to say, 12-year-olds can do this, right, theoretically. <laughs> and that, so, That's the running theory, yes. That's the running theory. Now, they may not do it particularly well, but can you do it well enough? If you can get along with your friends and there's pizza involved, you can pretty much make a good experience about anything, even Monopoly, mostly. Ugh, maybe. Okay, maybe not Monopoly. Maybe I'm pushing. (laughs) Just a little bit. I will say I am bribing friends of mine who have better spatial uh, reasoning than I do to come and look at the space that I get to put my computer stuff into and be like, hi, help me figure out where things are going. And I'm bribing them to come over with pizza. I'm actually having a a friend of a coworker come into my new classroom to help me decorate it because I'm just very bad at that. So I hear you. I hear you. Use your friends. Use your resources. Exactly. And I mean, they're they're willing to come over and help and help be eyes and, you know, spend some time because it's a really an excuse to hang out and be like, hey, what's this cool thing that we want to do? Yeah. So at least theoretically, we're here to do something productive, but low key, we're hanging. Yeah. Which is cool. Anyway, I want to talk about uh, random encounters because I am thinking about, you know, how I'm going to do that in the next campaign. And like, first of all, not every campaign has to have them. Sure. Um, But it is a thing that has some benefits that I think can be useful. I am not a fan personally of like the side quest. I don't like having a bunch of little chores to do. Yeah. For me, the, the word quest is like a big deal. And it's like something that we, you have to have, you have to like treat with some sort of like deference. And this is where I think uh, random encounters can really help us have those other adventuring experiences on our way while not making us feel like we're ignoring the urgency of the game. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I love Mass Effect, right? And I th- did did you play the first one? I want to say you didn't play the first one. I played part of the first one. Remember, I'm, 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 one. I'm one of the only people who likes the Mako. So almost every RPG like this, including, you know, uh, Mass Effect 1 really pops into my head because, like, it, the whole game, they're like, stop Saren. You need to stop Saren. You need to stop the final bad guy. His name is mm-hmm. Saren. All right. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Go, 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 go. Yeah. And then... You while you're walking around the the newest like town area, they're like, oh, hey, I left my playing cards somewhere. Can you? (laughs) Um, Hey, would you quickly do a a real quick interview for me? You know, Uh, hey, uh, uh, I I I lost my uh, my glasses. Help me find my (laughs) glasses. You're like, what? What am I doing? Um, Is it like here? No, no. It's like. uh, 10 minutes that way. Oh, well, that's out of the way and inconvenient. Yeah, uh, there's guys with guns, so it's fun, I guess. Sure, uh, for a given sure. value of fun. All right, and that would always kind of take me out of it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really liked about Storm King's Thunder was actually the random encounter table. I thought it was actually one of the better parts of it, and it's where I found that the players had the most fun, actually. The, the best encounter, one of the best ones I can remember was you guys were like a really low level and the random encounter I rolled was like a fire giant in hellhounds. And I was like, Oh my goodness. So, you know, they're not going to be able to like handle this. Well, the book also describes what the giants there and what they're doing. And he's trying to find a rod of the Von and Dodd to allow Uh him to, to locate the pieces of the Von and Dodd. And, you know, you guys are all experienced enough players to know, 
okay, we're like level four. We don't <laughs> we don't want to be tangling with no fire giant. Nope. You know, and uh, you might even be been like three at the time. I don't remember if you'd even done one dungeon yet. And it was just like, I don't know. We can't fight this. So I remember AJ cast like pass without trace. I think someone cast fly on him and or it must have been levitate because you guys wouldn't have been able to fly yet. I think, um, it, I think it was a little bit later and like like maybe fifth level or something because oh, I, was. I wasn't in at the beginning of, of Storm King's Thunder. I came in later with the, the uh, fight at Golden Fields. You know what? You might be right. You might and be I th- right. I think it was very shortly after the fight at Golden Fields. Okay, yeah. So, either way, you guys were like, I don't really want to fight this. No. So, <laughs> so you guys put this on the cleric slash rogue, and then he floated over, and he and he took the rod, he put it in the bag of holding, and he floated away, and then you guys just left, and you just, like, robbed this guy blind. And I felt like that was one of the most fun encounters you guys had the whole campaign. That was really fantastic. I remember that really because it, it was one of those things where it was like we had an unusual way of solving the problem. We all worked together with all of our various buffs and abilities, and you know, it worked. And it shouldn't have worked, but it worked, and it was great. Yeah, it really, really worked well, and uh, I thought everybody felt like everybody felt really rewarded. They felt clever, like, and that they had done teamwork and. It did. It hit all the little boxes you want to hit, right? Where it was like this was a net, just straight up positive for the mm-hmm. whole group, right? And so I love that. And that was a random encounter. And there were a few other random encounters that had similar situations like that, where it was just like, here's a problem, solve it. And the random encounters in that book are sometimes not balanced for what you're going to be fighting, right? Because sometimes it'll say stuff like, roll, you know, 68 orcs. Jeez. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's like, th- the last one I can remember doing is like, is like 3D8 plus two orcs, right? So that can be five, and then it's not a big deal. Or, or it could be, because <laughs> they're, you know, 17, you know? <laughs> like, uh-huh. you know? And then what? what do you do then, you know? And... But I like that because it's like, is okay, if this is particularly hard, let's not give them a surprise round and just screw over the party. But <laughs> let's let them see what's coming and then say, are you clever? Can you get through this in a clever way or can you just avoid it? Because that's also a perfectly valid way to deal with the situation is just get around them. Yeah. I actually did not realize that that encounter with the fire giant was a random encounter because the Vonandod became such a core part of the way that we played Storm King's Thunder because, I mean, I was the, the, the fire genasi flare, who turned out later to be a teeny tiny fire giant, and, like, the Vonandod was her thing. That was what she wanted to do. She was all about that. that and that was a huge part of her character story. And it came from a random encounter, well, or, and here's or, or, the, or, or at least the beginning of that. Yeah, that's how it was introduced. And um, what was, again, clever about Storm Kings was that everything in the random encounters had to do with stuff happening in the world. It was all effect of this idea that the giants are running around rampaging all over the place, destroying everything. 
And that added a lot to the story. Yeah, and, that, and that's really interesting to me because one of the problems that I have with like random encounters when I see them in things like Dragons of Stormwreck Isle is it feels like they're only there to drain resources of of the party and slow them down and to have a fight for fight's sake. And I have never liked doing a fight for fight's sake. That always frustrates me. No, I, I hear you. And I think, you know, if you're a player like me, you like the fight to happen no matter what. <laughs> but like at the same time, you want every fight to feel meaningful. You want it yeah. to feel like there's a reason for it. And sometimes fighting isn't the answer. Right. But fighting might be the only answer if things go south. Sure. Um, You know, if you're a group of level ones and you see a storm giant, don't don't rush in. It's not going to go as well as you expect. <laughs> In fact, possibly rush a, a, away because rush like, away. My 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 character, we were what level 12? 11, 11 or twelve. Nearly got smooshed by by a storm giant. Admittedly, she was alone, but still. Yes, that was also a, a pretty good uh, moment. Uh, although that was not a random encounter. <laughs> no. Um, In fact, that was something that wasn't even in the book. That was just uh, that was our DLC content. I think. At that point, um, oh well, actually, I guess it was right before, but I I had taken some liberties, and they seemed to work out. It's definitely one of the most memorable things that has ever happened to a D and D character for me. <laughs> well, I'm very pleased to hear that. Of course, the the DMG does give us a few reasons to have these and uh, some things that they can do, and one of them is, as you say, drain character resources. And that, that is a, a purpose, but that shouldn't be the purpose, right? Right. So um, we, so if you just say, okay, every encounter, you're going to have a long rest afterwards, the game becomes basically trivial. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's having to decide whether or not you want to spend those spell slots, you want to use those cooldowns, even if they're short rest based, you know, like, do I need to use this right away? Or do I need to hold or am I over holding? Because I've seen a lot of players do that where like the spellcaster will do nothing but cantrips. And it's like, bro, you could just end this right now. <laughs> yeah, but 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 there is a, a certain like fear. It's kind of like uh, what happens in video games when you end up with 99 uh, health potions after the final boss because you never wanted to use a single one of them. Yeah, a friend of mine who I was, I was talking to about Baldur's Gate, he was like, oh, I just sell scrolls whenever I get them. And I'm like, do you hate winning? <laughs> <laughs> Use the scrolls. <laughs> They're there to be used. My They're goodness. They're there to be used. Okay, I'll sell the scrolls that have a cantrip, but like, you have a scroll of cloud kill. Oh, good that's, lord. That's amazing. <laughs> cloud kill is a great spell. Heck, a scroll of grease is amazing. You know, like there's all kinds of possibilities and you don't need to have slots. I love running Warlock with a bunch of scrolls. Oh, I can imagine because that really expands what you can do. Yeah, it really does. But yeah, the the, the the concept of wanting to like drain resources so that, you know, it's not so so that you actually use your resources, but also have to think about using your resources does add more uh, realism to the world. Because, I mean, you're not in, 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 in a world where there are bandits crawling around practically every corner. You're not going to get to sleep for eight hours after every bandit encounter. So what are you going to do? Yes, exactly. So. And that's the other thing that we'll get into a little bit later is like trying to like rest carefully. 
Baldur's Gate 3 makes makes long resting also trivial because it's just it just consumes food, which is cool. But you get a lot of food. (laughs) So so, I don't know. But I haven't played it on Tactician. Maybe it's worse there. I don't know. I mean, it probably is. From what I understand, that's that's, you know, that's hard mode. Yeah. So uh, another thing, though, that the random encounters are meant to do is to provide assistance. Sometimes the NPCs you run into are not enemies. You guys had that a couple of times where you met a magic horse. Oh, my God. (laughs) Peanut butter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Peanut butter. That was his name, wasn't it? It was was like like Lord Peanut Butter or something like that. Uh Uh-huh. And then he turned out to be uh, a spirit of Sylvanas. Yeah. And we got we got we got a cool boon from that, which was neat. Yes, because you were nice to a horse, and that was a good thing. You got rewarded for doing the right thing. You know, there's uh, some parts where you meet a ranger or a knight or something, and a lot of times they represent the various factions, and so you can get a little bit of information there without like having these be big exposition dumps. Um, which is another great thing that they can do. They can tease out a lot of information without really telling you much. And so that can raise a lot of questions in your mind and maybe provide some answers, but mostly just hints. And so um, the night isn't there to exposition dump. There's like, I came from here. I want to go do this. Uh, Here I have an extra blankie, have this, you know, whatever. But having uh, someone that's helpful or uh, a trader is really, really nice. You know, someone you can... Um, unhaul some some loot on enchantment yeah enchantment uh <laughs> dragon age was amazing with its uh quote-unquote random encounters mm-hmm. where some of them were like you run into sandal and bodan fedek thank you i could not remember his father's name yeah i i'm surprised i remembered it right <laughs> <laughs> uh bodan yeah and um uh there were a few other characters like that there i remember there was one scene in the original dragon age where there is like a meteor crash and it's a Superman reference. Yeah, I remember that. It's like they they see a child in the crater and they decide to adopt him. It's like a, a little farm couple. And when you show up, you just get a piece of the rock that you can forge into a sword later. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was part of the DLC because I remember doing that and... Uh, because I was dual wielding long swords in that, so I had the star metal sword and a dragon bone sword, and I was unstoppable. Oh yeah, uh, dual, dual wielding in that game was, was like so good. It was like not great until you hit a certain level, and then it was like way overpowered. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, the, the animations were awkward and janky, but you know, the whole game looked like that. But for its time, I, I think it was okay. You know, it was it was also taking a lot from like uh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Sure. So it had a so if you had played that game, it felt very at home. And the other thing about it was this was still like years and years after Baldur's Gate two, mm. and we still hadn't gotten to Baldur's Gate three. And and for we thought this might be all we get. You know, because that first game felt like Baldur's Gate three. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because it had that more like uh, RPG feel and the story was very similar and the way the adventure was structured was very similar. Uh, And and then with Dragon Age 2, I think part of the difficult the the difficulty for the fans in that one is it was 
kind of a departure from from that feel. So we felt we got left behind. And then Inquisition went all the way into open world, and I and I was sad. Yeah, the the open world aspect, you know, is very attractive as an idea. But for certainly for a TTRPG, it's a very overwhelming prospect. Unless you just your players just aren't allowed to make decisions about where they're going to go until the end of the session. So you can prepare for them, <laughs> uh, which isn't the worst idea. But I remember James talking about that when he was running uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, because he's like, there's 10 towns. These guys <laughs> can go to any of the 10 towns at any point that they choose because it's all available right away. And he's like, I'm going insane over here trying to make sure that I know enough about the 10 towns to run them well if they go there. Yes, yes. And that is not easy. If you are like a longtime veteran and you've been thinking about this forever and you're mostly doing theater of the mind, I can see it not being too troublesome, but yeah, that's a lot of ifs. Okay, but getting kind of back to the random encounter bullet points that they have here for, like, why to have them. Um, another one is to add interest. They they reveal details about our world. They can foreshadow danger, provide hints that will help the adventurers prepare for the encounters to come. And I think that that foreshadowing is some of the best part, mm-hmm. right? Um, being able to build the flavor of the world without explaining everything. Yeah, because, I mean, unless you're going around making a codex, not everything needs to be explained right away. It can just be like, oh, I ran across this thing, and it's a witch in the woods working with, with an interesting plant that she tells you about, and you you get little hints here about, you know, this could be interesting to use in another encounter because the, these are the kinds of things that roam these woods. I'm pulling that entirely uh, uh, from the back of my mind, just like... You know, that could be a random encounter that tells you more about the world and also gives you a little bit more buy into it. Yeah. And that's something I might add in, like if there's an encounter with spiders, let's say, and then one of the players is like, oh, I want to collect poison from them. Yeah. Like, right, you, you get a you get a little bit of poison. They're like, man, I hope I we run into more. And then you're like looking at your chart. You're like, they're definitely not going to run into more. And <laughs> so you can make one. Right. And then you add that in because, you know, so and so wants that. Right? Mm-hmm. But that's something you prepare for next time. You know, you can always fill in the gaps on the table if you want to. Another thing that it will do is reinforce campaign themes. In uh, Skyrim, they had this backdrop of this huge war going on between the Imperials and the Stormcloaks. But very seldomly would you see any evidence of this happening in the world. Like, unless you were engaged in this specific quest, this wouldn't be going on. So uh, one of the mods I downloaded, it would just add, like, these sections of the map where there was just big battles going on between them. And you could run in and help your faction, or you could just ignore them all, or you you could kill everyone because you're a psychopath. (laughs) You know, whatever. You know, it was just, but it helped add to the, yeah, there's a civil war happening and it's having an effect on society, right? Yeah, that and that's something and that's something that I appreciate about Dragon Age Origins is, you know, the blight yep. is happening. And as yep. it's getting further and further into the land, like you you see refugees, you hear conversations, you know, random conversations that you pass by talking about uh what the chantry is doing to help these people who are in need and like 
it, it really makes the world feel a little bit more desperate because it's like I I'm on a time clock. I need to I need to deal with this problem because these people are being hurt. Yes, but in the but real quick, I'm going to help Leliana get this nug. <laughs> <laughs> Look, nugs are cute. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man, that's terrible. But uh, anyway, how much for the knock? <laughs> uh, this is yeah, important to me. <laughs> yeah, Dra- Dragon Age Origins was certainly not free from the the, the, the random... Uh, Nonsense. Key fetch um, quest, I think, is the way I'm going to yeah, call them. It, it had its fair share, but at least they were, like, funny in a lot of cases where, like, Fans yeah. love the nug, right? Because they're like, oh, Liliana, we like this about her character. She likes shoes and animals, right? And that that would like humanize her a bit. And it's like, all right, so I'm not saying it's bad, but it is just kind of funny. Yeah. And again, like, I just really dislike exposition dumps. I don't want to sit and listen for a long time. I don't have the attention span for that as a player. So I would rather the environment tell me the story slowly over time and explain to me what's happening but only if I'm willing to pay attention to it. Um, and this is something that Elden Ring does tremendously well. I was literally about to say that this is something that From Software has uh, turned into into perfection. They really have. And it's like, do you want to know about the world? Then exhaust the dialogue options and read the item descriptions. Uh, I've also been trying to add little item descriptions to my magic items in some of my games. Oh, cool. So... So that they have that similar feel of uh, you not only got a cool item, but you got some information um, and you can ignore it if you want to just breeze right on past. We can we can breeze right past that if you want to. Um, One thing I'll do when I'm feeling really motivated is like so if I'm on roll 20 on the handout I'm using or the character sheet, there's like always a section for like GM only. Mm-hmm. And I might write knowledge DC numbers and how, what information you get for those. Oh, that's cool. And then, I, and then I might copy paste them into the part that the player can see once they unlock it. I'm not very consistent with that because that's a lot of work. But when I well, do yeah. it, it seems the players seem to appreciate it. So recommend stuff like that. It's fun. Yeah. We also talked about creating urgency. Um you, you, you and I were talking a little bit about that before we started recording because I, I read the little the little comment on it and just yeah. started laughing. <laughs> yeah, at the very end, yeah. At the very end, there's a little parenthetical that says, um, rolling dice behind the DM screen can often uh, accomplish this, which is create urgency, even without an actual encounter. I burst out laughing when I read that because it's like, oh my God, I've done that. I have definitely just like randomly rolled a d20 and made a very, hmm, Okay, kind of face. <laughs> and the players right. and are just it, like, what's totally going on? <laughs> it's totally a bluff. And by the way, you can absolutely do that in Roll20 as well. Just <laughs> just hit the dice roller a few times. And they're all like, what? What are you, what are you doing? Uh, and then you just go, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, you're literally doing nothing. Um, yeah. And uh, just... I mean, the other fun one is just to be like randomly as they're walking along. Oh, give me a perception check. Mm, okay, looks clear. <laughs> I rolled a 30. Yeah, it looks clear. Yeah, everything's good. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the paranoia. Especially especially you want to like ratchet up the, the tension of what's going on. Beautiful. Perfect. 
Right. Yeah. Especially in a game like Strahd, where it's like you should be getting pretty paranoid, you know? Oh, true. Like, like literally there's nothing, but this is how we're creating a immersion, you might say. We're getting you to the point that your characters are at because they're they're sitting under this constant doom from uh, Ravenloft. So one of the things it talks about in this section is like, let's say you really got to go stop the ritual from happening, right? And then you see like the giant two ogres and five goblins hanging out and they're like looking around for you. You you might be able to dispatch them, right? But then it's like, okay, is that worth it? Do, how, we need to get around these guys. We mm-hmm. need to, we don't have time for this, you know? So that presents an, an interesting challenge. Just because you can kill them doesn't mean you should. And then there's also, again, I, I don't have to wander off and do this random thing because the action is coming to me. So, which can make you feel less dumb about not chasing Saren to do a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I really like that. Uh, the last bullet point it talks about is um, establishing atmosphere. But, th- you know, th- again, this gets into like the themes. You yeah. know, you shouldn't have every monster in the book, probably in your campaign, but there should always be reasons that they're there. Right. Like if you let's say you want to put an Atiug in there, I've, I'm probably saying that wrong, but, you know, the the. The tentacle flipper dog. Oh, no, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I've always heard it pronounced Otiug, but I have no idea if that's true. Yeah. I mean, there's no real ones, so. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> so anyway, it's like, well, why is that there? You know, is that is that because there's mages doing magical experimentation? Is someone breeding these things? Is that relevant to the story? You know, if you as a GM go, Ugh, I don't even want to write this part. It might not even be like appropriate. Yeah. It's like, man, I'd rather have more encounters with drought. It's like, okay, is your campaign about drought attacking? Yeah. Okay, well, let's do then that. Do right? that. Let's let's look for some underdark bad guys that we can use. You know, how let's throw a drider in there. Driders are cool. By the way, there's a drider in um Baldur's Gate 3, and it's very scary. They do oh, a very good job. Bet. <laughs> very scary, very creepy. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan, let's say all that being said, uh, it does have a little paragraph here at the end that I think is worth mentioning. It says random encounters should never be tiresome to you or your players. Uh, you don't want the players to feel as if they aren't making progress because another random encounter brings their progress to a halt whenever they try to move forward. Likewise, you don't want to spend time distracted by random encounters that add nothing to the adventure narrative or that interfere with the overall pace you're trying to set. So it may come to a moment where you go, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen here is a random encounter. Fake roll your dice and then tell them it's clear. Right. It's totally fine to do that. Yeah. Um, One thing I might say is, especially if the players are getting up there in level. I'm going to say, make a perception check. Okay, I got a 15. Okay, you see some marks. They're running in the opposite direction. It would appear that they spotted you and want nothing to do with that noise. (laughs) And then the players might have a good chuckle at that and feel cool, you know? 
But if they really want to go after him, I guess they can. <laughs> I mean, if they really want to want to go chasing that down, uh, sure, I guess. It kind of kind of reminds me of later in Persona Five when when you're in mementos and like the upper levels for any reason, and you're way overpowered for the shadows that are there, and they just like squeak and run away from you. Yeah, they're like, no, no, thank, thank you, you. though. <laughs> and they should, right? Um, that just that makes sense. Yeah. And this also can help explain why, like, you might not replenish the random encounter table um, because, yeah, it's unlikely that something that's like a CR 17 is just roaming around. That's definitely going to be very, like, specific to a certain area and situation. Yeah. Right. But like, so the goblins that see you, no, mm, you don't need to no, deal with you. them. Or you've you've created such a reputation for how dangerous you are that these things just stay in the dang caves, right? They're just like, no, uh, clearly uh, this is not the time for us. So we're going to go to another area or we're just going to wait it out. And that's perfectly feasible. Could also be it could also be an interesting way to have uh, what would be former hostile encounters turn into potential like ally encounters if if. Uh, if these if these orcs are smart enough to be like this the this group of adventurers is laying waste to all of these things and if we aren't careful that we're going to be next they may come and and sue for peace and you have then like a tentative uh allyship with the with these people with these creatures boy boss uh we saw you was coming through and all the really cool magic items you have that's just really cool by the way uh <laughs> Me and the boys, we was wondering if uh, you needed someone to carry your your stuff. <laughs> sure, why uh, not? We're, we're at your service. <laughs> <laughs> something like that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it could be but, funny. But you know, something something that that really underlines that something that you know five or six levels ago would have been a serious threat and a dangerous encounter is now recognizing you as the dominant power in the area and wanting to be and wanting to make nice with you. So the next part talks about triggering random encounters, like when you might want to roll these dice. Um, and so the first bullet point is probably the most important because it says the players are getting off track and slowing down the game. D&D can very much be a hangout time, which mm -hmm. is great. But you can tell when some players are just like completely disengaging. I even made this mistake recently where I let a couple of players who really wanted to do some shopping just go nuts. And then t two other players who were clearly not interested just kind of sat there. Mm. And then I was like, that's not good. So this is like the old idea of like suddenly orcs attack. It's like there's something to that. Like if nothing's happening and you need something to happen to break up the monotony and to kind of refocus and snap your fingers, jingle your keys at the players, you know, you can just roll up one of these real quick. And that's pretty handy. I mean that that is one of the pieces of writing advice that that you get when you're when you're in a rut. Uh, if you if you can't think of anything else to do, have someone burst in with a gun. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's interesting. There's Yep. You know, especially if you're in town and there's people here you like. Yep, right. <laughs> and suddenly uh, you are refocused from whatever you are doing to the immediate threat. The second bullet point says characters stop for a short or long rest. 
So a lot of times players will talk about setting up their watches, deciding who's going hunting, deciding, you know, uh, who's going to do the cooking, whatever. And this can be a, a fun part of the game in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably not forever, but for at least a little while, uh, that can be a good way to go, especially if like players are like abusing rests and they're trying to get a long rest in between every encounter. Yeah. You might be like, well, pff, you're going to have another encounter because next time you went to bed, you know, 20 harpies showed up. Okay. Maybe not that many, <laughs> but a lot of harpies showed up. Yeah. It's actually been, it's actually been a while since I've, since I've had something happen during uh, a short or a long rest. I should do that with Vendelver. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might not have experienced it that much because maybe your group was pretty good about staying on task, right? And so the GM maybe didn't feel like they needed to. Oh, that's entirely possible. So I'm I'm very much a plot hunter, though. So that's uh, sure. <laughs> you know, and and again, this could be part of plot. Like, well, why are there a bunch of harpies here? Like, that seems random, but it isn't because a couple of them had bits and bobs from their last victims. And it's like, oh, this stuff might be found in the settlement nearby. I better go check on it. And oh, we're no. back on track. Right. Um, the characters are undertaking a long, uneventful journey. So if I'm doing a lot of like travel and survival stuff in my campaign, I'll probably roll once a day, no matter what. Maybe twice a day if they're like going slower or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the world is happening around them. There probably shouldn't be an encounter every day, but uh, you could roll every day if you wanted to. Uh, by the way, you're, uh, when you create your table, feel free to put in a couple of blank spaces. I like maybe one to ten, just nothing happens. And that's perfectly fine. Also, do something fun. Make like 100 or like one or both something special and rare, something really bonkers. Uh, because when, when players see that 100, they're going to be like, oh, what do we get? You know, you want it to be something cool. Yeah, that, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. So that might be where the, the meteor hits and now you've got the star metal, <laughs> right? <laughs> it could be, yeah, if, 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 going back to the Storm King's Thunder, it's like suddenly a cloud giant just falls out of the sky, just <laughs> 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 fell off something and biffed it. He's got a magic item on, that's cool. <laughs> That's what happens when when you roll a hundred, you know, something like that. Um, okay. Uh, next bullet point: the characters draw attention to themselves when they should be keeping a low profile. You get a lot of like cocky adventurers making a lot of noise. Uh, if the bard is doing bard things a little too bardy, uh, you might have something show up and and swoop. And as we know. Swooping is bad. <laughs> Swooping is bad. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to Dragon Age for the two of us. I need to play that game again. I I, I picked up the, the, the full set when it was on sale on Steam, but I, it can only be played on Windows, so I was like, as soon as my computer's set up, I'm doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we had uh, last time talked about a campaign idea where a cloud giant was having a wedding and had invited a bunch of exotic guests to bring magical artifacts with them as wedding presents. And our our goal as a party was to crash the wedding. Possibly literally. What are some encounter ideas for this world that you can come up with 
that might feel somewhat random, but ultimately have a place in this game? Um, oh, I think the the earliest ones would be uh, various bandits because we had talked about the the bandits and the smugglers working for this cloud giant. So uh, tying into that and encountering maybe different factions of of smugglers who are like there's this there's this conflict going on because this cloud giant is paying a lot of freaking money to people who are bringing them what they want. So there there could be some like. Um, interfaction competition going on for that sort of that that reward i think that's a great idea so like it could be really interesting if the bandits are like give us all the magical items you have uh i don't have any magic items would you like uh this ruby no what do you mean no aren't you aren't you bandits don't you want like my money and stuff uh no what do you mean no well, my money's not good enough for you. <laughs> I demand you take my money. <laughs> well, well, the problem is we're actually not short on cash in the moment. We've actually doing pretty well for ourselves. Uh, well fed, well stocked, have good men. No, we're just here for like a ring of protection, a luck stone. I'll take a drift club at this point. <laughs> <laughs> And that and, and that would really emphasize the because like the incongruity of it being a group of bandits who don't want your money makes you kind of sit up and go, wait, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> There's got to be more to this. <laughs> exactly. And anything that that makes the players go, wait, there's more to this is a valuable thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then they'd be like, well, if you want to talk to our boss, you know, he's over here in the dungeon, right? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Or if. You know, things do come down to blows. One of them has a note that says where to go. So that's an easy, easy way to tie it back into the main plot if you want to. Okay, let's think of another one. What you got? Uh, probably some some kind of method when when you're starting to get closer to the actual like heart of, of what's going on because we're playing in, in the elemental side of things. So, yeah, you know, tr- tricky, tricky little uh, methods. To, to to mess with you, steal your stuff, misdirect you maybe into thinking that, you know, maybe it's something else entirely. Just mud methods, just trying to, like, <laughs> slow you down so they can get stuff. Yeah. They can't really kill you. <laughs> Though that would be funny as heck. <laughs> that would be really good. They, I don't know why, but this gave me the idea of having a monster called a method. And it's <laughs> and it's just a, a method made out of methamphetamine. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, if we want to like expand from from the classic elements into like imagine imagine a, a plutonium method. Oh my gosh, or a thorium, yeah, yeah, <laughs> thorium cobalt G. Yes, go go and play in the the dangerous things where it's like, oh, you're within five hundred feet. Guess what? You're never having children. <laughs> Uh, you failed the con save. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have kids. <laughs> what? Oh. I mean, do I get a minus to anything? Well, just <laughs> if you want to conceive, I guess. <laughs> but otherwise, that... no, you're fine. <laughs> that would be so utterly absurd. <laughs> Suddenly, hobbies seem a lot more interesting. <laughs> just like, okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be really funny. <laughs> okay, so uh, methods that steal your crap. 
Uh, here's one. You actually run into like a Rakshasa. Ooh. And the Rakshasa can kill you, and but it's just in a hurry. <laughs> so he's got like a big magic item that he's planning on using at, to be a guest at this wedding. You know, uh, and then you guys run into him and maybe he's doing something evil. Maybe he isn't. I don't know. But he's like, I really don't have time to deal with the likes of you. I need to be on my way. Bye. <laughs> and, that, uh, and, that, and that could be a, an interesting uh, social random encounter if you're able to, to, like, tease information out of them or, you know, persuade them to stick around for a little bit, uh, even though they're evil creatures there's something about what's going on where it's like i mean you're not attacking us and what is going on (laughs) man this could be the campaign where like everything feels off center because the 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 things don't necessarily want to attack you yeah it could be that way absolutely and it's just like, um, no, this is wrong. What is going on? <laughs> where's my D&D? <laughs> <laughs> Everything should be attacking us. Why are they all in a hurry? Right. And then some of them can be more serious, like uh, maybe some Yanti are attacking a noble carriage uh, because, you know, they have a magical item with them and the nobles are in danger. Right. Uh, so you need to save them. Maybe you don't even like the nobles. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't know them. It's more uh, interesting, really, either. if you don't like them. Yeah. It's a, and if you don't like them, it's like, well, I don't care about you necessarily, but murder's bad. So there's that. But also, you know, I certainly don't want the bad guys to have the item. Maybe then after you save the day, you can be like, uh, we're still taking the item, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, y'all still suck, but at least I'm not going to kill you while getting while relieving you of this item. It's like Mega Mind. You fr- you uh you freed us more like under new management. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one I need to watch. Oh, I love Mega Mind. So funny. So funny. So good. So those are just a few ideas, real quick, of something that could go into a theme like that, and. So each time they're they're giving us tidbits of information, telling us a little bit of the story and the people that are involved without, again, dumping information on our players. Mm-hmm. The, the last thing I, I guess I'll talk about is just how to physically set it up. Typically, what you'll see uh, in an encounter table is like a D20 or a D100 that has um, something attached to each number or a certain subset of numbers. So in like Storm King's Thunder, what it did was that the table actually had several different columns. Uh, so depending on what you rolled, it would correspond to where, what kind of environment you were in. Oh. So if you were in a mountain area and you rolled 60, it would be different than if you were in grasslands and rolled 60 or in a town and rolled 60. Right. And so it would, um, it would feel pretty natural without feeling like perfect necessarily, but like right. it wouldn't, it would never feel like completely out of pocket. Like you're in a town and suddenly there's, you know, a flight of giant eagles or something. Um, Unless something really weird is going on. <laughs> that could be interesting too. Right. But, um, you know, you typically you'd only find mountain creatures in mountain areas. Makes sense. 
Um, so that's the way they did it. Here in the DMG, it's just giving us a D20 and just has very little information. Uh, most of these are just like a giant owl, one owl bear, one D4 blink dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. But some of it actually gives us like a nice chunky paragraph of information. In Storm King's Thunder, it would give you like a title for the encounter, like what was going to happen. And then you would turn the page and go to the part that explained it in more detail. Uh, but even here, what I would what I would tell a GM is don't write out like an essay per encounter. You're going to burn out. Also, you're not going to be able to like memorize it all. So just have a few notes, maybe one handout, maybe a little piece of information here or there. Keep it small and vague enough that you can improv within that moment, because that's really where a lot of the magic is going to happen and where it's going to be really fun for you. Yeah. So let that breathe and you'll still have prepped to make you feel better. So um, that is basically how to build a table. It's not complicated. No, it's not. Um, it's it's just uh, an aspect of dev GM prep that I hadn't really thought about because I've I mean of course I've used random encounter tables before, but this is the first time that I've really thought about what goes into making them, and I thoroughly enjoyed this. Oh well, I'm I'm very glad. Um, also worth noting that Xanathar's Guide to Everything has um some random encounter tables that are based on locale as well. Mm. And so you might borrow some of those results, or if you just truly want something random and you don't have anything ready, just flip that open, tell them roll a D hundred and go for it. Just dive in. Just dive in. Just, just, <laughs> you know, some, some of the most memorable stuff that, that I've done as a GM has been the least prepared. And I'm not, I'm by far not the first GM to say something like that. Uh, in Sly Flourish's book, um, Lazy GM, he interviews GM after GM after GM who says the same thing. Like, when I prepped less, I had more fun and more memorable things occurred. And so, um, and I, and I, again, I would say you need to have prep. Obviously, you should build this table. Just don't um, prescribe everything. Yeah, and, and it makes sense because of that, right? Because, like, the GM is telling the story with the players, and so if they have everything all sorted out and perfectly prepared and, like, everything statted out beautifully, it's it's their encounter. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but if it's a random encounter, it's it's the table's encounter, and the GM has to be on their toes as much as the player does. Yeah, exactly. You can't... If, if everything's over-prepared... It's impossible for you to really predict everything that your players are going to do. And so you prevent them from having an impact on the story. And when players figure out that their decisions have no impact, that they are going to lose engagement. So fast. There, there are few faster ways to just take the wind out of the sails of players who want to be engaged and want to affect the world. So again, that balance is... Have some ideas ready to go, have this table, but in every part of the table, it's quick descriptions and open-ended information so that that way you have to fill in on your feet in those moments, but you're not starting with nothing. 
uh, and in a lot of the tables that exist in this book and in the various supplement books, they're there not to tell you what to do, but to give you ideas. And feel free to roll more than once if you don't like your result. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so many fun things can come out of the random rolls. Like last time, all of the the cloud giant stuff and everything that, that we started to build, all of that was random rolls. And then a spitballing back and forth to be like, okay, what's going to be fun here? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, hopefully your random encounters will help you get from point A to point B in a more interesting way that will add some weight and storytelling and interest to your game without bogging it down into um, more of a video game feeling because they are different mediums and you have yes. to think about how, how the time works. But hopefully after this, you have a good idea of how to get going again. This is all in chapter three of the dungeon master's guide, uh, largely starting on page 85 um, so I recommend that anyone who wants to build that, humble yourself, open the DMG, go there, and start building. Yeah, there, there's a lot of fun stuff in there. I'm having a grand time learning about that. So um, thank you all so much for joining us. Stay on your toes, stay interested, and until next time, stay inspired. Bye-bye. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen. Adieu. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiration Point. If you'd like to support what we do, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash inspiration point. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. You can also help support us by telling people about the podcast. A little inspiration goes a long way. Inspiration Point is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube or Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons on a weekly basis and have a bunch of campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, and board game playthroughs archived on their YouTube. Join us next week for more inspiration. Inspiration.